Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther on Esther's spirit and how God was able to honor her for her trust in God. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org and on iTunes. We're coming to the close of the year end here at Friendship with God, and we'd like to encourage you to make a contribution to this radio program to keep it on this station and in this city. And 100% of it goes to keeping the program on the air, but also a matching donation of 100% goes towards Israel Restoration Ministries and our Jewish evangelism outreach that reaches over 1.5 million lost Jewish people a year with the gospel. From Israel to Buenos Aires to the United States to Canada, all over the world, but particularly here in the United States. We go to the Jew first with the gospel, but we also go to the Gentiles as well. But again, your donation, 100%, is matched towards Israel Restoration Ministries. Not only did we match it, but 100% of it goes towards evangelism, getting the gospel out, because none of it goes towards administration costs. So if you'd like to donate, go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org to donate online. Or you can call us right now or after the program at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Call us now or after the program. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Esther. Well, what a statement that is. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus died my soul to save. Something like that. But uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful picture to think of, of the believer with that one phrase on his mind as he passes from life to death and then before God's presence. And that phrase is, Jesus died my soul to save. It's such a precious picture that God has given us in that hymn. Thank God. Thank you for singing that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we admire you this morning. And this morning, Lord, we admire also your children who obeyed you. And particularly, Lord, we admire Esther this morning. And we pray, Lord, that the spirit of her simple faith and her trust and rest in God, Lord, that it might be put on us, because that was the faith that you used to save all the Jewish people. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn, if you would, to Esther chapter 3 as we continue this morning and considering this this amazing woman that God chose to use to save the whole Jewish race, the whole Jewish nation. Uh, Follow along here in Esther chapter 3. It's not a very long chapter as I read here. After these things, just want to create a little bit of background, chapter 2 was the exaltation of Esther. That's what's referred to. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced him, and for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shown him 
the people of Mordecai. Wherefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. In the first month, keep in mind the first month is the month of Passover. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast purr, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month to the month Adar. And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, This is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it's not for the king's prophet to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of the Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jews' enemies. And the king said unto Haman, the silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province, and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, in the name of King Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy to kill, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing of the commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. The post went out being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and king And the king and Haman sat down to drink, and the city Shushan was perplexed. You know, so far what we've seen as we've been looking in the book of Esther here is a sterling characters of our heroes here of Esther and Mordecai. In Esther, we have seen an unusual woman who is characterized by these unique words that are found in her. Look back at chapter 2 and verse 15. This phrase here, when it talks about Esther, it says, Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come. Get those words. The turn was come. It was her turn. To go in unto the king. Then these words. She required nothing. She asked for nothing. But what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. Important word. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Those words, when her turn came, she didn't ask for anything. She didn't require anything. But she saw what she got as appointed to her. Here was a woman who saw all of life as just a grand array of provisions from God. Oh, this comes from God. I'm happy with God's provision. That comes from God. I'm happy with God's provision. And her eyes were ever toward the Lord, like it says in Psalm 25, 15. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Should I worry about what I'm going to fall into? No, he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Or what it says about in Genesis 22, 8, it said, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Esther, along with Abraham, understood a secret. That word, when he said provide, is the same word as see. It's like we say, God will see. He will see to it. He sees. In other words, 
God's seeing was God's providing. And she knew that. And that's why these words are so important to describe Esther in chapter 2.15 because Esther was a woman who was just at peace. There was just no distress in her heart. There was no worry. When it came time, she didn't require anything. But what she got, she's, that was appointed to me, not by Haggai the Chamberlain, but by God. And so she was so God-focused. And so when Esther, she found herself an orphan with her mother and her father dead, she accepted her position from God. And when she looked to God, she required nothing but what God appointed. What did God appoint? A cousin. A cousin Mordecai. And did she complain and say, you're not my real father? No, she didn't say that. She looked at Mordecai and she said, you are my God-appointed father. Cousin or no cousin, forget it. You are my God-appointed father. She knew God. She knew God cared for her. And she found rest in trusting God. She did exactly what Peter said. In 1 Peter 5, 7, she cast all her care on him. Why? For he careth for me. He careth for her. He cared for her. That experience of requiring nothing more than what God appointed to her was really what made her. So later on, when she was separated from her whole Jewish people and surrounded by heathen idolaters who were doing all kinds of horrible things, and conscripted into a king's concubine, into his harem, as a candidate for after one night to become queen, she said, does this terrify me? I've been an orphan. I've seen how God takes care of me. This is nothing. And she accepted her position from God, and she looked to God, and she required nothing. But she saw it all as God gave it to her, and she didn't look at, she didn't look at Haggai and say, you're not Jewish, you don't know God. But she looked and said, you are my God-appointed caregiver. I require nothing but what you decide to give me. Oh, that's great about her. And so Esther was God-caring because she knew that God cared for her, casting all my care as a conscripted concubine in a heathen harem upon him, for he careth for me. That was Esther. And so she was trusting. This was a wonderful thing. And she obtained, in verse 15, favor. Now, that's an important word. That's a word there in Hebrew that says chen, means grace. And I don't know why they translated favor, but they never asked me, so that's fine. But anyways, it means grace. It means God's unmerited favor. And verse 17, she obtained grace and favor. Those are two very important words. Rarely do you see them together like this. Grace is actually here, is chesed, which is loving kindness, so she, got, she obtained loving kindness, the chesed of God. She got the chen, the grace of God, unmerited favor. Chesed and chen together. Very unusual for you to see them like that together. But that's what you did. Say those words with me. Say chen and chesed. Say chen and chesed. Okay? Whenever you have something stuck in your throat, you need chen and chesed. That's what happens. And then you clear your throat. <laughs> those are two very, very important words in Scripture. Why? Because they refer, the chen refers to 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace, that's the chen of God, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Then here comes the chen, here comes the grace, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. See, that's the grace of God. And the kindness of God, the chesed, that's Titus 3, 4, but after that, the kindness, the chesed, and love of God, our Savior, appeared to man. God sent his son. That was kindness to us. When people saw Esther, they saw a woman who trusted God 
And they just said, you know, we want to show her chesed, we want to show her chen, we want to show her grace, we want to show her loving kindness, because she just drew it out of people. Those two words, they're so important. You know, I got a phone call last night from my Russian Jewish friend, and he called me, and he was talking to me, and he says, Tom, do you believe I'm Jewish? So he's a Russian Jewish friend. He says, do you believe I'm Jewish? I said, well, of course. Yeah, I think you're Jewish, I said. I, told him, I thought to myself, what does it take to be Jewish, you know? So I thought, I think I can make you all Jewish here today. So I said, I, I think I can do that in chapel, make you all Jewish. He says, you, you just need a few things, not very many things. It's not very difficult. I can show you. So you need some ways of Jewish life, especially food. You need to eat some Jewish food. That's important. After church, you go to the Jewish delicatessen, Deasy Akins, and order some Jewish food. There's a certain way that you have to order the Jewish food, and I'll, and I'll show you. So let's say, for example, you go there after church, and you want to get the Jewish food called Nagilas. Nagilas are like nachos, only a little smaller. So I'll show you how to order the Nagilas. The waitress comes, she looks at you, you look at her, and you go to order the Nagilas, but you do it like this. You go, you look up and you go, I'll have a Nagila, have two, Nagilas, have three, Nagilas, they are very small. That's how you do it, see? So then you can be Jewish. <laughs> All right, sorry, I digressed. <laughs> now back to the seriousness of Esther. There was a beauty about Esther. Esther was remarkable in her spirit. She was beautiful because she was happy with God. You know, that's a beauty. When you see a person who's just happy with God, a beauty comes out. And she takes the place alongside of Sarah. Sarah was identified in Scripture as a holy woman of God. These were holy women of God. Esther and Sarah are identified as holy women of God. And when Esther was in Mordecai's house, she obeyed Mordecai implicitly. And when Esther was not in Mordecai's house, she obeyed Mordecai like as if she was in Mordecai's house implicitly. Look at Genesis 18. Genesis 18 is the passage here where Sarah and Abraham get visited by the Lord. That's how it starts off. Genesis 18.1. It says that the Lord had be the Lord Jesus Christ appeared unto Abraham, him in the plains of Mamre. He sat in the tent door of the heat of the day. He lift up his eyes. He looked. Three men, one of them is the Lord, stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent and bowed himself to the ground. And then he said, my Lord, as in Adonai, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant, let a little water, I pray you be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves. I'll fetch a morsel of bread. And he went on, he said, and comfort your hearts and then you'll pass on. It says that uh, in verse 6, Abraham tells Sarah, says, quick, get these things ready, these people, you know, the Lord's here, and two others. And, and uh, Abraham runs to the herd and gets the calf, the tender, the good one, gives the young man, says that he should get it ready, takes butter and milk and calf and sets it before them. And they stood there and they ate. And then in verse 9, the Lord said, where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly, God said, return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women, i.e. infertile. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. And it's what she said. She said, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure? And then she said, my Lord being old also. You know, in this wonderful passage, we're told about God visiting, giving them the promise, but it's her response 
that Peter takes notice of. And he says, did you see what she called her husband? She called him my Lord. Not Adonai, Lord, but Adoni, Lord, which comes from the same root. He says, that's a special message. That's a special message because this shows something about Sarah. She was, and it wasn't easy for Sarah. No, not at all, because look at it in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. This point is picked up there. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, Peter's talking about this. He's teaching younger women. He's saying to them, I want to teach you what makes a holy woman. Look at, look at here is what he says. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the lifestyle, the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste lifestyle, conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man, the hidden person. He says, a person hidden in the heart, in that which is not corruptible. And he says, this is an ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And he says, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women, that'd be Sarah, that'd be Esther, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, as we just saw, whose daughters are ye, as long as ye do well. And notice how Peter puts this in here, and are not afraid with any amazement. It's kind of amazing that he puts that last part in there. And not afraid with any amazement. He taught the women. He says, look, he says, you know what's really of great price to God? It's a hidden man inside of you with quiet spirit, a meek spirit, not low-cut blouses and short skirts, but the beauty of a meek and quiet spirit. He says that's an adorning, and they trusted in God. And how did they show they trusted in God? They trusted their husbands. Was that easy? I don't think so. That wasn't so easy. And he's talking about Sarah, since he happens to have brought up Sarah. He's talking about Sarah, so we can ask the question, was it easy for Sarah to be the husband of Abraham? <laughs> How about when they start off, where, the, where our picture opens up them, and Abraham tells her when she's in Ur of the Chaldees, pack up, we're leaving. You know, right? And then it's what it says in Genesis 12, 1 through 5, the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country. You notice it says the Lord said unto Abraham, to Abraham. It doesn't say the Lord said to Sarah. So it says the Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto land that I'll show you and I'll make of you a great nation and I'll bless you. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I'll bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee, and in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old. When he departed out of Haran, Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, all their substance they had gathered, souls they had gotten in Haran, went forth to go into the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, they came. Well, you know, it's 75 years old, and Sarai could have said, I was sort of thinking that we would sort of coast down on the latter part of our lives. You know, maybe a little rocking chair out in front under a tree might be nice. I mean, you know, but this is is amazing. I mean, God doesn't tell Sarah this, and and all of a sudden Abraham says, "We're leaving. We're leaving our family. We're leaving our relatives. We're leaving our country. We're leaving everything we know. We're leaving everyone we've ever known." And Sarah says, "Why?" And Abraham says, "Because God called me to leave." And she says, "What else did he say?" She said, "She might have said, you think God may have called me too? What am I, chop liver?'" I didn't get any call from God. So where are we going, Abraham? I don't know. God will show us. And when are we going to get there, Abraham? I don't know. God will tell us. This is a little rough. 
That was an opportunity for Sarah to be afraid with amazement. Tom, Abraham was a great man of faith, and so was Sarah who followed him. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now everyone in heaven is saved by faith. But can you tell us today, what is the Bible's exact definition of what faith is? Well, it's interesting because in Hebrews 11.1, the Bible actually gives a definition of faith. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, when you read that that definition there, you immediately might say to yourself, wait a minute, that's not uh, something that I understand. What does that mean, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Well, there's a whole chapter that comes after it in uh, Hebrews 11 that really um, that substantiates what that means. But just to to put it very succinctly, when it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, that's referring to something inside of us. In other words, we have faith, and that faith is evidenced by substantial things that we hope for. It says the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith The subject of faith is things not seen. If you see something, then faith is not necessary because that's seen. But if you don't see something, for example, heaven, you don't see heaven. But if you really believe to the point where something substantial occurs in your life as a result of your belief in heaven, then that's faith. And then what happens here in this description that goes on further in in Hebrews 11 are examples of people that did something of substance. They did something that you could look at and put your finger on and say, oh, now that's evidence. I see evidence. Evidence of what? That he believed in something not seen, that he believed in something that he hoped for. So another synonym for, for faith is belief. But He's saying here in Hebrews 11.1 1, that you might almost say real faith has substance to it in the sense that it changes a person's life. It causes them to do something different that they otherwise wouldn't have done if they didn't have faith. For example, if I go on in my life and I just keep sinning and sinning and sinning and don't show any concern about it, that is substance and that is evidence that I am not hoping to stand before a God of holiness and justice. That's, some, that's evidence that, that I do not believe in the not seen God who will judge all sin. But if I carry out my life and do the very best I can and shun away from sin, And then that is a substance that I hope to stand before the God who hates sin. That's the evidence that there is a God who hates sin that's not seen. So this is, this definition of faith is really referring to what happens differently in the person's life who has faith. And that means that he has something substantial that you can put your finger on, some evidence that you can point to and say, "Uh aha, you see, he really does hope. 
He really does believe in these things not seen because he has done this or not done this in his life. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We've been offering this month Tom Cantor's book on the prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, a great book to give at Christmas, a wonderful gift. It's got 194 prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord as shown in the scriptures from the Old Testament prophecy to the New Testament fulfillment. Now, this amazing study shows Jesus of Nazareth was not a historic figure, but a fulfillment of God's foretold plan to bring salvation to the Jews and Gentiles alike. A must-have for any Christian or a great witnessing tool to reach a Jewish person or even an atheist. There's about 2,500 prophecies that appear in the pages of the Bible, 2,000 of which have been fulfilled. There's about 500 future prophecies, but 300 of them pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got 194 of the most popular top prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this book will show you that it's a statistical improbability that the Bible could be referring to anybody else other than the Lord Jesus Christ with these prophecies and fulfillments. It's a great gift at Christmas time, and it can be yours today for supporting this ministry with a donation of $20 or more. And again, your donation is matched towards Israel Restoration Ministries and Jewish Evangelism Outreach. So get this book from Tom Cantor, The Prophecies and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. For a donation of $20 or more today, call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. 3051, or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org to donate and support this ministry online. Or again, you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. Your donation and support will help keep this radio program on the air and the gospel going out to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. 1-800-247-3051. Get the Prophecy and Fulfillments book from Tom Cantor. 1-800-247-3051. Join us tomorrow.